1: Ciao, shocking, breaking news, Clive has agreed to give back 100% of what I'm paying him for this podcast. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right, not a deferral, not 12.5%. This episode, Clive is offering 100% back of his share of this episode, which is, um, that's definitely going to help some people, let me tell you. Um, so here's the deal. We are going to be celebrating, exploring, discussing the 2007-2008 season this week. A really interesting one, because the Invincibles had kind of just about completely broken up. I don't think there was a lot of hope or um, expectation surrounding that team. A lot of pieces that were not known, Thierry Henry was gone. What would Bayor be able to do? What's Alexander Kleb all about? You know, just a lot of interesting things. Seth Fabregas sort of stepping up to really be the leader of the team, even more. Um, Matthew Flamini, what, you know, what was he going to provide? And, and the team gelled and played some of the best football in the division, I think the best football in the division. And then injuries um, conspired to, to derail the season. And then, just as interestingly, almost that team broke up really before it started. Um, it, it was the team that Arson built to be the team after the Invincibles, and it, it had a brilliant season of beautiful football and then basically stopped existing before it ever got to do anything beyond that. So we'll we'll do a pod about the season. Uh, Clive and I will do a rewatch pod of a North London derby from that season, and then we will do an aftermath pod about how that team broke up and sort of what it meant for Arson and the project and as we tried to sort of rebuild again sooner than maybe we had intended and why that happened. So it should be interesting, but... We've got to talk about Mesodozel. Anyone ever get tired about talking about Mesodosole? Uh Certainly not Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive P A F C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Um, so, why don't you sort of recount for us? You, you do the news. Breaking news. Recount for us what you, how you would describe the developments of the past few days with respect to. What the players have agreed to do, the position they've been put in, and now the news that's starting to come out about Ozil—like, how would you characterize what has happened, just sort of factually? I
2: suppose we—I think we start from last week when the club did their first announcement, of what they were doing with the, the executive board taking a 33% cut, what they're doing in the community, and it's sort of it hit me then what they're doing for the fans regarding refunds it hit me then they wanted to do a, an all-encompassing message but the players weren't in a position to agree what they were going to do and then we started to see the rumours around 12% cut and we started to see the things that this will be going on for a year it's going to be performance related regarding where we finish in the league whether it's Champions League we get a percentile back in the Europa League get another percentile back and if you finish outside of the the top European places, then potentially you get nothing back. Mm. And it, this is very different to what we've seen across Europe. You know, like so, you take a look at Juventus. I think they've they've taken cuts for X amount of time, and I think for the rest of the calendar year, will, which will save them ninety million euros. <laughs> That's quite significant. You look at Barcelona; they've taken a seventy percent cut. I think for three to four months. You're looking at Bayern, you're looking at Dortmund. You know they've taken a 20 percent cut for I think a period of time, and so you, you see, look across Europe, and you you can see there's a trend developing. It's not a, um, you talked about collective bargaining last week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not it's done uniformly, but clubs are looking after their own within their clubs, and are ensuring their club has a, a certain level of saving and planning going forward. <laughs> And so the Premier League is quite interesting because so far we've only had I think Southampton and West Ham that have deferred and everyone else is in this frozen position waiting to go forward. So when Arsenal started talking about doing pay cuts I thought, you know, this is really interesting and obviously the squad were, were split about this until Mikel Arteta got involved um, more formally in the last few days and then it's quite interesting the stuff that David and The Athletic are writing is incredibly accurate incredibly professional, and it's given you a lot of detail that we wouldn't normally see. And it does make me think, how is that getting out there? But that's credit to the journalist. Um, and they're literally saying, down to the number of players that have voted, that we've got a much improved situation where, you know, output of maybe two or three, depending on which paper you read, everyone else has agreed. 25 people have agreed, and two or three have said no. So speculation is immediately gone to who are those two players. Well, actually, no one cares about who the two or three players are. They <laughs> care about the care about the one. And we all know who that one is. And potentially, well, we, we don't know 100%, but it looks as though Mesut Ozil has decided not to agree that pay cut in the in the immediate term until he finds out more information about where his money is going to go, and how it's going to be utilised, where it's going to end up potentially. And so the story could move on, Elliot. He could, we could find out by next two, three days that he decided to take a 25% cut because he's mm-hmm. a higher salary earner. And so there's been so much damning today publicly by Arsenal people, non Arsenal people. The reaction you get when perceived privileged people decide not to do what the rest of the team is doing And that does open up a lot of discussion, a lot of questions, which um, I'm sure we'll discuss.
1: Yeah, so it's tricky because I I don't want to relitigate the debate we had the other day. Um, I do think that it's kind of interesting that a part of this is tied to getting into the Champions League or the Europa League. Because obviously that would generate more revenue, but these players already have bonus structures for those achievements that's part of their contract as it exists um so now basically what you're saying is we're going to create essentially a further bonus the ability to win back the wages you were already supposed to get through this performance and i I sort of have a problem with this clive because if what you're saying is the reason we need this money back from you is this unexpected force majeure one-time extraordinary loss of revenue due to the pandemic that then when the regular revenue comes back, you know, it, assuming it comes back, you either have the money or you don't, um, or you just don't give it back. But but tying it to sporting performance to me is, is a little weird because the sporting performance and the pandemic are, are two totally different things. I guess what you're saying is we'll have more revenue so we're willing to give it back to you at that point. Um yeah. b- but I digress. Look, um I think there's a few issues to pick apart here. So first, let's pick apart just the issue of Mesut Ozel doesn't want to give his money back. I mean, I think, while I have no sympathy for Messet Ozel in some respects, I mean, I think the contract we gave him is bad. I don't think we should have given it to him. I think it's been a millstone around our neck. He has a pretty good track record when it comes to philanthropy um, and, and charitable giving. And, you know, I don't think that this is someone who has a track record of saying, I'm not willing to help out economically to people in need. He certainly has... Given out through his agent the impression that he wants to understand how the money is going to be used. And I I do think that that is a fair request. And and so you look at the players and they're put in this position where the PR is, oh, you know, don't you want to be the first club in England to agree to give back some of your wages and, and what this will mean and the message it'll send and we all help out. And you kind of get pressured into doing it so you can look like the good guy and your coach is asking you to do it. So especially if you're a younger player, you know, you may feel I kind of need to do this because I don't want the coach to lose faith in me. I want to be part of the group. Um, and yet there's no clear delineation of what the finances are, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be allocated, what the real need is. Are you doing it because it's needed and it'll be applied appropriately or are you doing it because the owner sees leverage to get some wages back. So, I mean, how do you feel about Ozil wanting that clarification and, and sort of having a right to expect it?
2: I, I think, it's, um, I think ev- all the players should want that clarification. I mean, we're trying to, I always look at it and say, what, what type of club are we going to be on the end of this? And I think the players want you to know that the, all the people that support them are going to be okay. Right, so, and that's the clarification they needed, and I think Ozil wanted more clarification, and I'm surmising here. But I also want to look beyond that, Elliot, because I agree with you, it's not Ozil's fault that we gave him that stupid contract, right? That's our fault, the club's fault. So, immediately that that provokes suspicion, and he's not the only one who's getting too much money in my opinion, but there you go. So, immediately that suspicion is there, are are they course-correcting? Then you look around the rest of Europe, that's why I want you to quote the rest of Europe, and Many, many clubs are doing this because it's a simple case of mathematics. There's no revenue coming in and all the expenses are the same. Mm-hmm. And so what can we do to balance that out? The interesting thing about Arsenal is they've done it for for the whole of next season. And that really tells me the seriousness of this situation. And what Arsenal have done, and I think this may end up being a smart move, by doing something like this, they can now plan. They can now plan on one part of the balance sheet. This is our waste bill. And if we succeed on the pitch, this is our waste bill. If we really succeed, this is our waste bill. But that's based on revenues coming in from being successful in a competition. So they can now plan. They can now forward plan. And we all want, you know, selfishly, we're sitting here with many different concerns about life, economy, and health. But the people listening to this podcast also think about transfers coming in. And if you understand a little bit more about your expenditure, then you can understand what you can spend regarding recycling the squad, whether it be loans, whether it be swaps, whether it be cash going out for transfers. So I can understand why the club are doing this. Now, there's another aspect to this. There's a team aspect to this. And this is why I think having the two or three players outstanding is a bit of a problem because... It's like the whole team are not on the same page. Now, in some regards, that sounds a bit old school. In some regards, each individual is entitled to look after their... Their salary. You know, I don't ask you. I've known you for years. I don't ask you what you get paid. You mm. ask me why I get paid, mm. right? It what do you private, get paid? It's personal. <laughs> 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 uh, I do alright, but not enough. It's never enough. It's okay. like never enough. Exactly. I got hundred and ten children to support, God's sake, mm. right? So I'm uh, never enough. So basically, it's it's a personal thing until it's the footballer. We want everyone to be the same. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I do feel. There's so many layers to this onion. I don't think it's right or wrong. And I think the situation could change in a couple of days. On the positive side, I I, I do feel a sense of pride that we are the first ones to put our hand up and say, we're going to take a pay cut. I do get a sense of pride that we are looking after people within the club at all different levels, at all different um, levels of pay, whether it be casual staff, whether they be um, support staff, physio staff, masseurs, cooks, chefs, all the people. I mean, there's 800 people at work for Arsenal now, I believe. I'm not sure how many of them are, are going to be covered by this, but on a match day, that is, that's a significant amount of people. right? So, and they're going to be looked after without going to the government for you know, a form of bailout. So I, I feel a sense of positivity there, but I also sense that people are using the slight wrinkles to hammer People that they may not previously like, like Errol, for example, and to call division in the club, which I don't like. And regardless of my opinions on Errol, I care about the club and unity much more than wherever I think Errol runs about enough. Do <laughs> you see what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, do, what's your what's your level of of sympathy, frustration, um, sort of where where do you? Where do you fall in terms of the argument? Are you convinced at all by the argument that players were sort of coerced and pressured into doing this, that Arteta shouldn't have been involved, that it's not fair to like younger players? I mean, his agent laid out I think it was the style cast with was it Marcati? Did you, or no uh, Hon- Honigstein, right? Um yeah, yeah. and he he laid out a, you know, a fairly compelling argument. But let's face it, agents are, you know, crafty intelligent people who are there to make arguments for their Representation for, for the people they represent. So were you convinced by any of the arguments he made?
2: I think, from my angle, you can look at it two ways. You can say, Arteta's got involved. Isn't that great? Doesn't that show leadership? Doesn't that show the respect the players have for him? I think can look at it another way and say, should the manager be getting involved? Would the players feel pressured? Will certain players all pressured? Would they feel as though their futures were on the line? They didn't say yes. It all depends on how the message was delivered. And so I'm pretty neutral on that. Um, again, um, the process is part of it, but the outcome is more important to me how, how how we look. Mesut Ozil's agent. Every time there's a he has a bad game, the first thing you read is, Mesut Ozil's not going anywhere. He's going to stay. Yeah, so that tells you. Let's look back now. Let's look back beyond this. How he's managed PR, how he's made sure everyone knows that he's happy here, he's not going anywhere, which is code for. If you want to sell him in the season back to Fernabachi, you better pay him his money. He's not going to give anything up. Pay him his money. Look back at some of the Mesut Ozil agent statements and none of them are saying, oh, I'm willing to give something back to Arsenal. They're all about, make sure you realise that I want every penny of what this player's getting. You Mm -hmm. signed the deal. He ain't going nowhere. He's happy here. Pay him if he wants to go somewhere. And that's a situation. And so what we've seen from Mesut Ozil's agent in the last few days doesn't surprise me in the slightest. He is looking after his client the best way possible. And it's our stupidity at a club that we allowed the situation to manifest itself for so long and put him, gave him a, such an un like contract that it potentially could cause issues going forward with your man, Abam uh, Yanko. What's he thinking right now? Mm. If he's going to stay, given his output over the last two, three years, given that he's won a share of the Golden Boot last year, given his goal involvement, given what he does on the pitch, how he behaves, his star quality... What's he thinking right now? Yeah. You know, either, either pay me or, or um, I go. Um, he's not asking for less than as or or a lot less. if You see what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. I I follow you. I mean, it's t- it's tough for me in a way. So I, I think there's a lot of issues at play here. Um, as I scratch my ear, and you know I I do wonder. Like, let's say you're a young player who doesn't make a lot maybe you are supporting your family and maybe the family that you're supporting doesn't have work at this time either. So they're going through hardship and you know, your football salary all of a sudden is a lifeline. It's a godsend. Um, And I realize it's, it's easy to be like, I'm I'm not going to have sympathy for a 19 year old who's making a million pounds a year. I get it. But again, if they're supporting a whole family unit, if they're, you know, if they're unsure what their future is, I mean, look at Emmanuel frimpong one day, you're two footing, Someone who you know plays for a rival the next day. You're trying to play in Ukraine, and the next day you know you're selling Dench T-shirts, and you don't have a football career anymore. Um, it goes quickly. I mean, Clive, is is it fair to say that like a player like that, especially when the team is going to them directly? You know, they're they're 19 years old. Clive, I I mean, if you handed me a credit card with ten thousand dollars on it at, at 19, I would have said, "Yeah, I have ten thousand dollars." That was my understanding of finance back then. I didn't I didn't understand yeah. money to go to that kind of player, ask for a 12.5% reduction to say, come on, be part of the group. And it's your coach asking. And that's the person who's the gatekeeper to your career. I mean, does he have a point that that is, that's a really hard position to put a 19 year old, an 18 year old, a 20 year old into, especially around their representative, their, their, you know, sort of legal representative.
2: Yeah. It is a challenge. And I think I'm assuming this was done in a sort of a, a player conference call when all the players were involved. And um, and the way the dressing room tends to work is that players do go into it in a, a level of solidarity. The bonus schemes are normally, you know, let's say well-known, but you know, there are clean sheet bonuses, goal scoring bonuses, where you are the league table bonuses. And these bonuses are really important. The base salary is one thing. And you know, don't always believe the what the base salary, the what people are earning. It's the bonuses that make the difference. How you perform, how you score, assist bonuses, things like that. This all, this really does exist massively, and it's a big part of the dressing room culture. And bonuses can really define how some, some even passes to each other. Trust me, they're not passive. they're on. A 25 grand goal bonus, they're just not doing it right. So these things happen in unsuccessful teams, and, and players get called out. Uh, we, and it does I mean, it's such a unique time at the moment. And things like you know, for example, when Deli Ali was on a low away to Spurs when he first got there, what we don't realise, you we very very quickly he started to score. He got a eight million pound Adidas boot deal. And these things all go part of it. There are other revenue streams that come into a footballer. The problem is right now is I'm not sure how many boot deals Adidas are going to be laying out at the moment, given the fact that they are under threat. They are potentially asking for a bailout. Something like Adidas. I mean, can you believe that? You know, mm. and there are there are issues regarding you know Bayern Munich and Manchester United, and also probably the and Real Madrid as their sort of top four or five clients. There's even, I read something that potentially next payments or their sponsorship deals could be under threat. Now, whether I believe that or not is one aspect. aspect. But there won't be too many boot deals coming to Biaka Saka right now, for example. So that is a situation where everything has frozen. And to survive and go forward, there needs to be a deep breath and a a contraction. And given the fact that your player wages are, are a massive part of your outgoings, That's the first place you go. Mm. Right. So,
1: well, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just
2: going to say that is the first place you go. And and it's an obvious thing. And it may not be immediately palatable. But I do think, Elliot, as this whole situation pans out over the next few weeks and months, we can look back and say, you know what? I can see why they did this. Because I don't think we're anywhere near through the woods. And I'm not being Nostradamus when I say that. I, you know there potentially we will lose almost a season of match day revenue potentially that could mm. easily happen you know and I think that's close to, I think it was, was it 90 million quid plus last year you know so that's a lot of money and we're only looking to scoop back 25 mil via this waistcoat of which, if we are successful, that will really be repaid back in the main. So you can see the numbers are just not adding up. You know, this is a very serious situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so here's a question, right? What's the wage bill roughly? Like 180? Is it all the way up? 230. All right. So two, 230 million pounds, okay? So. Probably, yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean. Fifth place you know, in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So 230 million pounds. And just off the top of my head, 12.5% is 28.75 million pounds, right? So. million pounds. Yeah, I I can't help, again, just going back to the idea that, like, you know, and and you saw already in the news that Stan has agreed to put a personal guarantee to uh, cash injections, you know, presumably loans for the club, you know, and and you can dismiss that or hand wave that. I will admit that that is important because by putting up that personal guarantee, rates will be lower, payment terms will be better, they'll be stretched out longer, there'll be less collateral needed, you know, things like that. I mean, you're 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 not collateralized. You're not collateralizing the debt against the club, right? I mean, you're doing it with Stan's other holdings. Is sort of how I understand that. Maybe I'm not understand that properly because I'm not what's the word knowledgeable. Um, but I just look at 28 million pounds, Clive, and I say 28 million pounds is an amount of money to cover losses that the owner and the ownership conglomerate can raise, there's a lot of ways that you can fund losses, right? So you can fund losses through debt. You can, you know, uh, sell equity, raise equity, right? You can um, sell off other holdings, other assets. You could sell the club if you feel it's a loss that you're not willing to stand. When you become an asset holder, you have risks associated with the asset. And KSE owns a lot of assets. And all of these assets are going to be taking losses right now. And there are lots of ways that KSE is going to try to fund that. I mean, you know, there are... He has the ability to mortgage. I mean, this is a real estate magnate, a guy who's got almost unlimited real estate. He has holdings in Walmart that he could borrow against at almost no cost to raise almost unlimited resources. So, again, I just want to be clear about a point I made the other day. And 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 I'll get to a point with a question that I have for you, though, Clive. So okay. when you look at daytime. Arsenal being a holding in a conglomerate that has billions of dollars worth of assets across its portfolio and access to billions of dollars in capital that it can raise in a variety of way to fund the operations of those individual holdings and to fund losses. And those include debt and equity and sales and you know all kinds of things that they can do. The decision to help fund those losses by taking back wages from employees, even if they are handsomely paid millionaires, is a choice and I don't think it is a required choice and doing it is a choice that's made in my opinion because that ownership group understands there's tremendous leverage that occurs when you have the PR of saying these pampered millionaires who are paid to play a sport that they're currently not paying won't give anything back to help their club that statement while true is also very convenient For the person who has other ways that he can finance these losses. But this way is accessible to him. And so what I'm saying is the decision to claw back wages is not one he has to make. It's one he's able to make because of PR. Because when Arsenal don't qualify for Champions League, when a player gets injured, when a player just straight sucks... Let's talk Mesedozo. Ozil. Mesedozo's been making his three fifty a week, being bad, being on the bench under Unai Emery. He was making that money. You can't just say, "Hey, you're not playing, or you're not playing well, so we're going to claw some back." The only reason they can go and even ask this of the players is the camaraderie, the community responsibility, the sense of supporting the club. But be clear, it is not a necessity that KSE asked this of the players. So am i am i articulating this well Clive i think what i'm trying to say is that the players are being asked to voluntarily give money back that while they should maybe feel a responsibility to do it I, that that's a separate issue that's a human issue it is not required that they do it for kse to fund the losses kse has other access to capital that they could utilize to fund these losses so that is why i feel uncomfortable now i know i sort of went all labor socialist kind of thing on the last pod <sighs> I want to be clear. I can separate the sense to which I'm ever going to feel sympathy for Mesut Ozil having to give back a few million of his many, many millions from the philosophy of whether I think a billionaire with access to capital should be asking his players to voluntarily give money back that he doesn't have to. And, you know, people have said, well, other people are being furloughed, all of this stuff. I get it. I'm not I'm not trying to be pro-millionaire here. What I'm trying to be pro is... The philosophy that if you have a contract to pay someone and you have ways to fund your losses because you're the asset holder and you bear that risk, using the PR of a pandemic to get the players to feel responsible to give you money back, to me, is kind of shitty. And Mesut is within his right to say, I want to know where the money's going. I want to know that I'm not going to give you 12.5% back and find out that that money was really helpful in buying another land mover for the LA Rams stadium in California. I mean, he does have a right to to understand that this money, it's like taxation. I pay taxes and then it might go to some ridiculous cause that I don't like and that that kind of sucks. If you're being taxed 12.5% by Arsenal, you better know where Arsenal's using that money. I, I think that's fair, isn't it?
2: Um, I think I think it's fair up to a point. I think, um, let's, let's be serious, right? When a player gets injured, that's part of the deal. You sign a contract, you get sick pay. You got sick at work, right? So you get paid. So... Everything we see, we go and play, plays bad, gets paid. Winston Bogart got paid. It's on a contract in good faith. That's, that is the rhythm and the cadence of football. That is football's model. You win some, you lose some. You find a player out of nowhere. You buy a colour toy for 200 grand and he ends up being an invincible centre-half. right? And you, you're paying him 40 grand a week, wherever it was. And then you have another, you have another player... Like Mustafa, you pay 35 million and he he can't can't trap the ball. It's football. It's the rhythm of football. You win some, you lose some. But this scenario is not written down in anyone's contract. This scenario hasn't happened in our lifetimes and in our parents' lifetimes. This is a unique scenario where the the rhythm of football, the revenue streams of football have frozen. They have stopped. The model of watching football, we can't even see how we're going to stand next to each other let alone watch a game. You know? This is a unique situation where everything is frozen. And I always look at it and say, this is a football club. And so, yes, the players have put their hand up. I think it's good. Yes, the executive board have put their hand up. I think that's great. Yes, I also doing things with their supporters regarding credits and refunds. I'm not best placed to comment on that, but it looks pretty good from what I've read. So what now? Fans, players, executive. The next step is the owner. What are you going to do now to support this football club? So those players can get those bonuses, can get these wages back. Don't give them poor players. Give them good players into the squad that makes a team more competitive. Don't tell these players to take a wage cut, then sell all the best players from beneath them and give them not-so-good players on top, which makes those bonuses impossible to achieve. Those would be the questions that I'd be asking I think, yep, I get it. I get it. Revenues have stopped. Okay, I get it. Be offering me something back, which not other clubs are not doing, by the way. I'm not doing any performance related bonuses out there to get these wages back. So but can we realistically get some of those bonuses? Are is the manager going to be supported with the right level of funds to give to make the improve the squad so that we have a chance to really compete? That's what I'll be doing. Because a, a competing team is a, is going to support my career and support my future earnings. I, I, mm, Those are the questions I would uh, be asking if I was a player. I know that. I don't view, know that they're connected, understand.
1: though. No, but but Clive, I I want to I want to challenge that not because I I think you're wrong, but because I have a question about. It. I mean, like, the presumption that them giving this money back will allow Arsenal to be more successful and spend more money when things go back to normal. I, I don't think no, no, there's no, proof of saying, that.
2: What, what I'm saying to you is if the players, the executive, and are giving money to the club to allow people within the club to be paid and the, the financial model to have a level of s- sustainability and consistency going forward when it comes to outgoing on wages, that's tick great. The fans' refunds, tick great. Local community work, tick, great. Now, Mr. Owner, what are you going to do on top to support the club? What are you going to do to inject funds? What are you going to do to plump up the cash reserves so we can still be a competitive team going forward? And I think the whole th- part of the cake needs to be in place before we have a strong opinion. I think, because Elliot, you have a knowledge about raising finance and debt management your brain immediately goes to that because you know the possibilities you know more about potentially what Stan's doing in the u.s when you think about his stadium that he's building and the fact that's going to be delayed it's going to cost him one billion that delay where's that coming from by the way you know and well, so well, let, me ask, are, let me
1: ask you a related question so so how about this let's say this pandemic never happened wouldn't mm. that be amazing but there was a massive earthquake in london and emirates stadium fell into the ground completely fell completely into the ground who bears the risk of that happening
2: well the club would have a the, the club the, the ownership, would bear the, ownership yeah. the asset would bear the owner of the risk. asset would bear it and, and, and if he to went to the to players the and said
1: i want some money back from your wages so i can build you a new stadium we'd be like that's absurd no it you, you You own the stadium, you own the team, you own the asset. It's your risk. This happened. You have insurance. You have other ways you can collect. The players don't owe you anything.
2: Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. And in that scenario, there would be insurance because you would insure your buildings, right? So you would get it. But I hear what you're saying. You're talking about the principle, Right, but 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 insurance is just another
1: way of saying you have access to capital to fund the losses that doesn't have. And by the way, I don't want to push back too strongly. Let me be clear. I, I said this on the other pod. If players want to do something to help, help in the community, help their fellow workers, but they, they should. And no, should I, of, co- of course, of course. And by the way, yes, of course. And if they are happy to give this money back and feel confident that it will be used in a way that benefits people who need it within the club, that's great. I do think it is fair to wonder if it will be used that way, if it is needed that way. And let me just poke holes in the idea that it creates unity, Clive, because I do want to propose another scenario to you. Let's say you are a teenager like Bukaya Saka. And what does he make? Five grand a week? Three grand a yeah, week? I mean, okay. Yeah, three to five, yeah. I got news for you. Five grand a week is, I mean, what is that? What does that even come out to a, a year? It's, I mean, it's about, it's, about it's a, like a meal, two, I think. No, gosh, it's, 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 it? it's like two 240 or something. Let me just, let me Okay, just yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, It's it's two hundred and sixty grand a year. Now I get it. You're not going to cry over two hundred and sixty grand a year. But let's remember, there's taxes. It's this all pre-tax. So two sixty a year in England is probably for a footballer one thirty after tax, right? So he's probably under a hundred grand now, in in total wages. Hang on, just hear me out for one just for one second, okay? okay. That he that he's going to get this year after being after agreeing to this payment. And that probably has to pay some family members. Maybe not. Maybe they're rich. Maybe they're lawyers and doctors. But for a lot of players, they take care of brothers or sisters or partners or whoever it is. So just hear me out. So now, and there are leaks already coming out about this. Some players felt pressured. Their registered agents weren't allowed to be involved in the discussion. The coach kind of pressured them. So now you're SACA and you're in negotiations for a new contract with the club. And your agents in you are going, you know, this is a club that not only, you know, was sort of slow to get you a new deal pressured you without me being able to be involved to give money back so you wouldn't look bad when you already weren't on a lot of money you're having to give back the same amount as you know people like Obama, Obameyang <laughs> and Mesedozal who isn't even doing it um you know are we sure that this club was looking out for you are, are you sh- are you sure you feel good about the way you were treated here cuz this is also a club that looks like it's in decline let me get you somewhere else i mean i do think there's an argument that a rift in resentment can develop between players and a coach who pushed them to give some money back and a team that pushed them to put some money back under the pressure mm. of leaked PR. And you may actually be in a situation where some of these players say, nah, screw you. You wouldn't talk to my agent. You took money out of my pocket when I didn't make much already. So I had to do it so I didn't look bad. No, I'm out of here. And, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But I think if you want to make the argument that it creates unity, I think there is at least an available argument that, and, and I'm just, I, look, there's some of this news breaking already, Clive. I, I'm not just making this up out of thin air. I'll read you something that Mr. Arsenic tweeted, um, and this is from Sam J. Dean. Fears within the camps of some players that they were effectively pressured into signing up to 12.5% pay cuts. Concerns that representatives of the players have been cut out of the nego- negotiations ahead of contractual agreements. So there is a potential other, other thing that can happen here besides creating unity. Is Is that... Fair in your mind? Or you think that's overly, overly worried? I think,
2: I think it's... Well, You, we know you're <laughs> I'm really, worried. I'm a That's why my friends
0: call me Whiskers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but yeah, when you start messing with people's money, you, you can't predict how they're going to feel. That's true. Right. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to do that, right? But my I'm hoping that the, I'm saying what the club's goals are is unity, and they may not have complete unity. What I was going to say was, you know, Saka won't be on that money for much longer, you know. So that's part. Of, I'm sure his pay rise is coming, right? So, and whether it's Arsenal or somewhere else, his pay rise is coming. So that's not a problem, right? Because he's already, you know, I saw a note the other day who the top ten. Most valued under nineteen players in the world, and we've got three of them in in our team. Right, so in our squad potentially for next year. So and Saka's one of them. So he he won't be that money for nothing. It's almost dismissed that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. When you start messing with people's money, you don't predict their response is going to be uniformed. It's going to be individual and it's going to be personal. And so yes, the hope and the intention is for a unified club. Like people can react in different ways when they see a reduction, and some people say absolutely straight away, Yep, yeah, we need to do that. And it depends on how much they trust the club, I and mean, you could say it depends on their moral compass. You could say many, many different things, but it's never you could never expect 28 people to react the same way to a reduction in pay, you just can't, right? So, but I wouldn't over dramatize that, that is just life. And in, and and that's you know that is that'd be life in any other organisation which we work in today, you know one organisation that I you know working close to, they've made some reductions in in contractor hours and it's just been done right mm-hmm. so, and because of various you know cost pressures and program pressures right so, I've seen other banks furlough staff. It's just these things are happening, right? So, And some people say, you know what, I get it. And some people say, I feel that's a terrible thing. I don't agree with it. And that's going to happen. It's going to happen to football. It's going to happen to people who are working. People are in business right now who have given so much to a certain business. And suddenly they find themselves in government furlough and getting the third of their money they'd normally get. And they're thinking, wow, I've given everything. You know, why me? Do you see know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it becomes personal. There is no right or wrong. When you and Paul discussed this last week, you know, we were all discussing it, but you Paul most heatedly. Um, <laughs> I felt, I felt, I just listened and I felt, okay, guys, get this out, because there is no right answer. There is nothing normal about this. This is abnormal. and um, There's going to be a process and a journey, and it's going to change, and it's going to change again, it's going to change again. And it's going to go again. It's going to go up and down. We're going to be locked down, not locked down. We're going to be in the stadiums, free road separation. We have a small crowd of 5,000 people and 60,000 seats the stadiums, a test run. There's going to be all these type of things to go through. There's going to be no match day revenue. That's nearly £100 million pounds gone from our coffers. This, this is a situation that's fluid, challenging. We haven't spoken about TV yet. What's going to happen with the next TV deal? We've got so many more scary hurdles to cross when clubs start to go out of business. That's going to happen. It is going yeah, yeah, to can happen, I make a I, point, you. Clive,
1: I I want to be clear about something, too. My arguments are related to Arsenal and their specific ownership structure and their specific uh, availability, you know, accessibility to capital and liquidity and all that stuff. Like, I'm not saying... That this is how it should go at every club. I mean, if you're three tiers yep. down and the club is privately held and the club doesn't have a lot of money and you want to keep it alive, and part of keeping it alive is every single person at the club has to pitch in. I get it. Uh, these are these issues are unfortunate. I mean, let me ask you this: How would anybody feel if Sheikh Mansour said to his players, "You need to get well." You might be like, "Well, his players overplayed, overpaid anyway, so he should get back." We've been bemoaning the fact that Manchester City are funded by limitless resources that have no connection to their revenue. So, if they're losing money at this point, that should also be funded by their limitless resources, right? I mean, so we yeah, acknowledge. You can say that. Well, so we acknowledge that these, these situations are different between, by and between clubs. I mean, it look, will be.
2: I'll give you another example, Elliot, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the, the team that's probably cost us the most joy over the last 12, 15 years has been Chelsea, right? They've taken our medals, right? And that guy, you know, he's put in over £1.5 billion pounds of his own money into that club. Mm-hmm. Straight, direct to the playing side of the game, supporting the academy, etc., etc. Over one point five billion pounds. The next club to come up with a pay cut is going to be Chelsea. They are close to agreeing a ten percent pay cut. Right, well, so the scenario is very similar. But in fact, and it's just so he's it's so actually,
1: interesting, right? Because I mean, you talk about what twenty four million pounds means to someone who is worth, you know, six billion. Pounds and it's like 0.0015 percent. It's just, it's a little hard for me because I think, for example, like if you want, if if Stan Kroenke wants to personally guarantee a 24 million pound loan, he could probably do it from an ATM at like not 0.5 percent interest. So it's just, it's hard for me. And, And and can I make one point here, quick, Clive? Like, let's say this was really being done with an eye towards assessing the losses and helping fund it, right? Just for a second. Just follow me for a second. Wouldn't the timing be, at the moment that they have agreements hammered out with the TV broadcasters, the kit sponsors, the... The, you know, the, the, uh, the, ticket, the ticket holders, because then they could go to the players and say, all right, we have a pretty concrete view of our losses, and here's what we're asking back for you, and here's where it's going to go. Uh, yeah. Let me just walk this point all the way to completion, because I think, I think it's valid, of course. Most, most of my points aren't, and I usually think they are, but hear me <laughs> out. If, if they waited to that point, you could say, all right, they've assessed the losses, they know the number, they're asking the players for a specific amount, and they're doing it with an eye towards spending it to, to re, uh, recoup some of those losses. They're doing it now, because they realize in the throes of the pandemic is when the pressure will be strongest to be seen to do it and do it first. If they wait till they know their losses, when the pandemic is starting to wrap up, then they may not have the leverage of PR over those players. And I think it's really, you know, look, there's, there is news breaking that the younger players are feel resentful of this. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know how well sourced it is, but it comes from, you know, journalists that are fairly reputable. I say fairly, they're reputable journalists. Like, I just wonder, out of one side of your mouth, if you want to say we're doing this to fund losses, you would think in a way that they might do it at a time when those losses are more knowable? Because let's say the TV people come back and say, we're going to pay you 100%. And Adidas comes back and says, we're going to pay you 100%. And the only revenue losses are some gate receipts, some ticket receipts. Well, that 100, very...
2: hundred million
1: pounds. Again, I'm, but, but it changes the the picture of the losses incurred by the club so to do it before you know what the losses are suggests that there is a an urgency and i, I would submit that the urgency is you have maximum pr leverage when the pandemic is most impacting people
2: yeah uh, you could say that you can say that and, uh, and, and so and my my views i can't say that's wrong but I'm, I look at it from a purely a balancing perspective and a football perspective because the rest is personal, human, and trust me, the light will be soon off Arsenal really, really quickly and it'll be on to the rest of the clubs in the league. Right? It really will be. And so I'm actually glad that Arsenal have taken it on. It'd be a bit bumpy and we're going to get some fallout from this, but we're going to get it anyway. This is, this is an unbelievable situation. How the hell can we expect us to be s- smooth through this? It's, none of mm-hmm. us are going yeah. through a smooth nope. period in our lives. Why would you <laughs> expect football above. to be smooth? Yeah. Right, this is going to be a journey. This is going to be a rocky journey of to and fro's, playing, not playing, sanitized football, wanting to get in to watch the football, seeing transfers, getting transfers questioned because how can the club be asked awesome for pay cuts and then spending X a million on this player who can't trap it. We're going to get all this. We're going to get other teams who have done the government furlough thinking how can you buy a player? Bournemouth, have, I think, have gone to the furlough, but they've, they've bought one free transfer already. are about to announce it. They're being questioned. The morality issues across this, across football, end to end. This is going to fill our thoughts for the whole year. This is just step one. I wouldn't get too excited. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. This is going to change. Uh, I quote the Chelsea situation. Who would have thought they would be doing this? Well, why are they doing it? It's business. It's as simple as that. It's business. And what you say about Stan is one thing. Well, a bandwidth's worth 13 billion, he's worth, and Stan's worth five to six. He's got a $5 billion stadium being built. He's uh, got other th- interests happening. His wife is pretty loaded as well, so I'm mm-hmm. sure he can can ask. He can go into more, a more loaded magazine. than he is, I would yeah. say. <laughs> I don't think Walmart's struggling right now during this pandemic. <laughs> They're probably going through the roof given what they what's going on there. So it's a complex picture, and I do think there's there's another step to go. And I I am looking at the ownership. I really am, and I was pleased to see that some form of support, when that's being questioned some form of support, some form of leverage of our own cash reserves. And is he gonna put his own money in? Not too sure. But Elliot mate, this is gonna run. It's mm. gonna run. So take a deep breath. Save your loudest voice for when the moment <laughs> arrives. Because it's not now. I'll tell you now, it is not now. This is just a kickoff of the process.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I want to clarify a few things just real quick. I always feel like I'm sort of back peddling a little bit but um from my unpopular and, th- and thinly sourced opinions but first of all if it, I feel for Mikel Arteta in a way because Mikel Arteta wanted to do something that reflects well on the club reflects well in his players reflects well in the community that shows a commitment to helping people and people like me are shitting on that in a way by saying it's just an easy out for Stan so let me clarify I think this is a wonderful gesture a wonderful gesture that Arteta has tried to help engineer um, with all the right instincts and right goals in mind. My objection is not to him doing it, is not to the players doing it. My only objection is to the notion that it is necessary and to the the motivation for leaking this information and creating the pressure on the players, which I feel has sort of nefarious motivations, not from Arteta, by the way, from, from ownership. I think Arteta's heart and head was absolutely in the right place. I feel for him because he may have unwittingly pitted some players against the club in this by accident, not realizing, hey, an 18-year-old on three grand a week may not want to give this up and may feel pressure to do it and it may weaken contract hooks. Again, to be clear, I'm sure a lot of the players participating in this and Arteta himself... Felt good to do it. Felt happy to support the club. Happy to support the community and the, the people that work at the club on a living wage who need this money. And And I am proud of them and proud of the club because the club is people. And some of the people I'm not so proud of and some of the people I'm, I'm tremendously proud of. So I want to clarify that. The discussion is more about the need to do it what we allow from billionaires and asset holders when we let them shift the burden of their losses to other people, whether we should allow that to happen, whether the contributions will be used the right way, whether the timing of it was done nefariously, all of those things. But certainly, with respect to Arteta and the players doing this, I have nothing but, but pride in what they've done and appreciation yeah. for the you effort they've that. made. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm glad you said that, because that's how I feel. And and each, remember this, we sometimes think, you know, because we're quite... We think we're well informed and we are quite well informed. There's good information out there. And that builds a picture. And we automatically feel that's, that must be 95% of the the whole picture. We only get a fraction of what really goes on. We don't know the individual conversation with the younger players. We just don't know. know? We don't know when their contracts are going to get renewed and what, by, um, how that's going to be covered. We've got some very good young assets at Arsenal. It's probably the best it's been since Michael Thomas' Rowcastle days. Mm-hmm. It really is. And if Arsenal mess up, they, they deserve to be shot. You know, there's no... <laughs> given the fact that I think the future of football is in young players. And we are unbelievably well positioned to actually benefit, and what we've been through this year, watching young players make mistakes, go up and down, there's going to be a lot of teams looking at their academies right now and trying to lose some of the higher earners on their books, let them go for free transfers and go to earn their pension somewhere else, and then they're going to be playing younger players, because that's the future. And so we do not want to take the advantage that we have worked so hard to build and then mess it up like this. And I don't believe they're going to do that. I believe that these situations will sort themselves out with some younger players, and it's going to be bumpy, and it is going to be rocky, and it is going to be to and fro, and it it's going to be leagues, it's going to be information. And it's really important that we are mature enough to absorb that. And I hope we see some more leadership from the top down, because that's where what, what we do agree. I think we need to see something from the top of the tree. Yeah, to come down and manifest itself in an output that gives people a little bit of hope. The club can't come from the bottom up; it's got to come from the top down.
1: Yeah, and I just hope that this isn't the ozol in the coal mine. Um, not that you'd find mesodozal in a coal mine, but the canary in the coal mine. But the canary isn't a canary; is mesodozal in the sense that, like, the ozol in the coal mine is this little, this little communication of disunity, disharmony, reflecting a broader dysfunction or dissatisfaction with this process that could actually ultimately jeopardize what we're building, and that would be a shame. Um, I think we should leave it there uh, with the note that like we should all support each other. We should all help each other. People who have more should give. Uh, We have something to announce on that front, but I'm not ready yet, so I I, I will save it. But um, I just think, in general, that it is important to give back. But let's not confuse the owner pressuring players into giving 12.5% of their salary back as being philanthropy. It isn't. Uh, it's something different. And so I, I, I just want, I think there's a lot to unpick there. And I think we did a pretty good job of it. Having said that, again, reiterate proud of Arteta, proud of the players wanting to do the right thing, whether it was handled right across the board and whether it's for the right reasons and will be used the right way. That's a story that will continue to run. Clive, you good leaving it there?
2: I am, and I will just say this is happening across football. It's happening across other sports like rugby and other sports, for example. So, this is not just about Arsenal. This is obviously we care about Arsenal. But I think your point about giving back it is the point. And mm-hmm. now we need to see everyone give back. Do you what I mean? And that that includes our owner.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I. I uh, really appreciate everyone listening to this. We've got the 2007-8 stuff to take your mind off things uh, coming all this week. So a regular pod again tomorrow, a Patreon rewatch with Clive and I, uh, a North London Derby from the 0708 season on Thursday and the aftermath on Friday. Clive's on Twitter at PFC Thanks, man.
2: Great stuff, mate. Thank you.
1: Yeah, my name's Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter and me I apologize that Paul wasn't here to scream at me about how wrong I was, but I assure you there's a voice <laughs> in my head that is constantly screaming, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. So, uh, good enough. Tim will be back tomorrow. Paul will be back tomorrow. we we'll are definitely get Scott on one of these 0708 things too. Uh, hope you are hanging in there. Hope you're doing well. We got a lot more announcements to come soon. So for all of you, thank you for sharing this time with us and and getting through it together. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 20, COVID-19.